0: Welcome back to part three of the Sussex Fretzor Massacre. This time there is a bit of drug use from the point of view of Ollie, who is high as a kite. Um, So that's coming up at the start and there's the usual gore, uh, violence, a lot of people accidentally dying or killing each other in various ways. So... All of the content warnings are in the first episode. If you haven't heard that yet, this is the third episode, and uh, you should probably go back and listen to part one and part two first. Enjoy the final part of The Sussex Fretsall Massacre, which you can buy from all ebook platforms and discounted from my coffee shop. Ollie. Ollie was grateful for the soft bed, the room swimming in a blur of luxury and antiques. He wasn't as worried about Paul as he knew he should be. He was more concerned that Carrie wouldn't get away with it. He was aware that that was probably not the right thing to worry about, but the tea-leaf mix was really good in the brandy cocktail Ricky had made for him, and all that mattered was that the nice girl didn't get done for self-defence. Ollie tried to fight the urge to nap. Seconds could be hours— or hours could be minutes. He had no idea if he'd slept or if he'd only just lain down, when a pistol retort echoed through the house and shocked him out of his stupor. He sat up, the room spinning. The house was silent. He stood up, forgetting to put his shoes back on. The floorboards are soft under his feet, or that could be a rug, or it could just be that he was really fucking high. What was in that tea? Maybe I should have asked. He said not to mix it with ac ak- ak- with ac ak- he frowned, trying to focus on the syllables in the word, and realised he was trying to say it out loud. He giggled to himself and clapped a hand to his mouth in case someone with a gun could hear him. This is a terrible idea. But he was certain if he met Dono he wouldn't flinch, not with this magical concoction flooding his veins and drowning his anxiety in its soothing stranglehold. The door wouldn't open. Ollie sat down heavily, eyeballing the large keyhole. He patted himself down and found his name badge pinned to his uniform. He managed to get the long pin into the keyhole in the second try and blinked hard, trying to focus. The door shivered under his hands as if it was ticklish. "'Sorry,' he said automatically, and tried to find the mechanism. The door rattled in the frame. Ollie could see no one on the other side, and the vibe he got wasn't sinister. "'Sorry.' "'This wasn't normal, surely?' But it was an old house, and he didn't have much experience with those. His nan's flat had a dodgy airing cupboard you had to hit in two places to open, and his dad's house had a back door you had to jimmy open with a trowel once you'd unlocked it, so an old door that trembled when you tried to pick the lock didn't seem that far-fetched. He'd think about it later. Sorry. The door unlocked itself, still juddering as he removed the badge pin. He must be better at this than he'd thought. Sorry, thanks. "'He stumbled upright and propelled himself into the corridor, "'looking for something he could arm himself with "'in case he needed to... do something. "'The brandy warmed him with a flush of reckless bravery. "'He didn't know where he was. "'The house couldn't be that big, "'but the corridor stretched on forever. "'If he was sober, he'd be having a panic attack right now, "'like that time he got lost at the travel-in in Whitby, "'when the carpet made his eyes go funny "'and all the doors were the same, "'and he was going around in circles "'because none of the signs for the lifts "'actually led to the lifts.' A second gunshot rang through the house. Ollie nearly leapt out of his skin. He flinched against the wall, freezing up, then scurried back to his room as fast as he could and shut the door. He leaned against it, panting and ashamed of himself. No, no, no hiding. He should be trying to help Carrie and her fit, not boyfriend. He'd been put on the second floor in a wing somewhere out of the way. This room was full of mismatched stuff, like no one had ever really stayed there or slept here before. It wasn't hard to find the stairs. He shook himself. The corridor couldn't be that long. He'd try again. Had he heard two shots or one? Or three? His ears were ringing. Focus. Ollie tried the door, but it had locked itself again. He could almost swear he heard the room give a soft giggle. It's not funny. Someone's been shot, he told the room, looking for the source of the laughter. The walls swam over him, a soothing aquarium of muted colours. He thought he saw a face pushing through the wallpaper, a pretty face to calm him, and he was sure this was normal for a room like this. He fell asleep, cradled in the lap of the woman who was the room, the room that was a woman, but not really, only shaped that way and only for now, and he thought he should ask its pronouns or find out, find out. But Ollie fell asleep and everything blurred into his dreams. The banging woke him. What was banging? The door, shuddering against his back. Ollie managed to pull himself up by the handle, which gave under his weight. The door wasn't locked at all. It opened inwards, nearly blacking his eye. Bunty forced herself through it, shoving Ollie out of her way, and gave a sharp scream. Oh! She pulled herself together. Ollie picked himself up, dazed and bruised. It's you. Me what? Oh, my God. They drugged you, obviously. Bunty shook her head, eyes wet with frightened tears. She shut the door and pressed an ear to it, but Ollie couldn't hear anything. What's going on? he asked. Bunty grabbed his arm and backed him into the wardrobe. Oh, my God! Ollie found himself bundled into it and trapped at Bunty in the darkness as she clambered in and shut the door behind them. What's going on? he whispered. They're dead, Bunty whispered back. Paul, Liv, he's a monster. That guy, he's an actual monster. He was really nice to me, Ollie murmured, eyes adjusting to the tiny crack of light through the keyhole of the wardrobe door. Bunty moved, her heel digging him painfully in the calf. Ollie whimpered and tucked in his legs. Why are we in a wardrobe? Shut up! He's coming! Donno shot him in the head! And he got right back up and Dono shot him in the chest and then... Bunty trailed off with a strangled gasp as someone pushed the bedroom door open. Ollie was still trying to process all of this. You shot... Bunty kicked him. Footsteps entered the room and Ollie found her fear infectious. He held his breath, head buzzing with confusion. A gruff voice broke the silence. All right, look, there's a couple of ways this can play out, and you end up dead at the end of all of them, so I'll give you a choice. Do you want to die in a wardrobe? Or do you fancy drawing it out a bit? I'll give you a head start. Honestly, this is the most exercise I've had in a while. and My cousin's been on at me about it, so, you know, you're doing me a favour, if that's any consolation. Ollie couldn't believe it. But Ricky hadn't killed Paul. And when could he have killed Liv. He'd been in sight of Ollie the whole time, and surely it had been only minutes since Ollie had been put in this room. Even if it was longer, he didn't believe his hosts would have killed the Olivia girl for no reason. Something didn't sit right. What the hell is going on? Something rapped on the wardrobe door, although the footsteps had stopped a good way from it. Ollie frowned, swallowing and trying to concentrate. That brandy tea-leaf mix had really fucked him up. Do you have the keys? Bunty whispered in the dark, leaning in. Ollie blinked, squashed up in the corner, not sure what she was talking about. "'What keys?' he whispered back. "'To the car!' she sounded pissed off. Then again she thought the man in the room was a monstrous killer, and Paul was dead. Well, Ollie presumed so. He hadn't seen anything. "'Oh, yeah!' he pulled the car keys out of his pocket with great difficulty, wondering why, if Ricky was a monstrous killer, he hadn't already wrenched the doors open and killed them. "'What's he waiting for?' he asked, but misjudged the volume and mouthed it voicelessly into the dusty gloom. She didn't hear him. Her hand fumbled over his arm, long figures digging into his flesh and crawling unpleasantly over his fist and the keys inside them. He shuddered and let go. Bundy got him by the lapel and shoved him out of the wardrobe, and Ollie's world tumbled around him in a confusion of angles and sudden colour. He collided with Ricky, who caught him, Ollie's head slamming against Ricky's thigh. "'Good God, it was iron!' Ricky heaved him up and Ollie found himself appreciating the sinewy arms and the apparently effortless strength in them, the softer belly and the solid chest. Then they were nose to nose and Ricky's pupils were glowing red like traffic lights, and Ollie thought wildly that if he just went for it, those full lips in easy reach, it would be almost worth being punched out or torn to pieces. Before he could do anything stupid like actually kiss him, Ollie found himself released. "'Are you going to kill me?' he asked. "'No.' Ricky sauntered to the door and watched Bunty's rapid flight along the corridor. She got your keys. My keys! Ollie knew that was bad. He was also not sure why Bunty wanted to escape so badly. He hurried after her and Ricky stopped him. Bunty reached the stairs, tripped on her dress, screamed and pitched forwards. Ollie struggled but Ricky held him in place. Ollie caught his breath and stopped struggling. There were worse places to be. "'I really thought it was Freddy hiding up here,' Ricky mused as they listened to her thudding against the walls and down the whole flight to the floor below. "'I told her, five are due to die.' He shook his head. "'For the record, I haven't done for a single one of them yet, even though that dickhead shot me twice.' Told, Bunty?' Ollie was losing the plot. Ricky smelled of blood and sweat and gunpowder, his vest clammy against Ollie's cheek as Ricky held him up, and Ollie only gave a feeble little struggle to see if Ricky's hold would tighten. "'It did.' He pressed his cheek more firmly into Ricky's side and inhaled. Told the mistress. Ricky looked down at him, frowning. Yeah, I made that way too strong. Not doing that again. He gently released Ollie and set him against the wall. You all right? Ollie nodded. Great. Yeah. What if I told you that nice lady downstairs, Carrie, yeah, she put her fist right through that one guy's chest. You'd still be great, would you? Ricky was eyeing him like a world-weary doctor who had drawn his conclusion and was looking for evidence to support his diagnosis. Ollie blinked, head swimming in a sea of numbed rationality. He tried to hurt her, didn't he? And that's fine, is it? No anxiety about that? Not, um, no, not really. Ricky sighed. Room spinning a bit. Ollie nodded. Yeah, you're not supposed to mix it with alcohol. So that's on me. Right. "'What if I told you one of them killed the blonde doll girl "'and tried to cut her throat with a bleeding fret saw, "'and tried to make them think it was me?' "'What a bastard!' Ollie muttered, "'managing to keep himself steady and upright. "'Ricky winced. "'And what if I was, uh, a bit this way?' "'He rolled his shoulders and cricked his neck. "'From the back of his head, coils spilled out into the air, "'eel thick and filling Ollie's vision. "'Oh!' Ollie said, unable to process anything he was seeing, "'and the room spun again into merciful darkness. "'The last time it had been four against one, he'd been twenty-five, "'clean and sober except for the occasional mushrooms, "'but they were medicinal and didn't count. "'He'd taken on a carload of lads going to a football match, "'and it had been the most exercise he'd had in a really long time.' Most recently, the last one who'd actually fought back had been that shallow twat he'd locked in the cellar for his mother, the one who'd wriggled free somehow and embedded an antler in Ricky's skull. The mistress's ex, in fact, as it turned out. This was meant to be fated, just like that. Five strangers were due to die, one way or the other, before midnight. He should get on with it, but no, she'd made him promise. The origin of the antler, the location of the cellar, those facts slithered forwards with grim accusations, and he didn't want to think about any of that right now. He shook that off. Don't play with them, or to just get it done. She wants a quiet night. But it wasn't often someone dropped him. He had a headache from the bullet between his eyes and his heart was sore with a dead shot through his chest and he'd missed a bit of action. This place was too big to control a couple of prey beasts running around unfettered. It was better to corral them somewhere and break their necks or suck them dry or go through the ears into the brain, whisk, scramble and drain it out. His tendrils disgorged, ready for this purpose, the fine pointed ones their leech-like mouths and dainty rings of teeth, pretty little pearly things, all ready and waiting. First things first. With the blonde girl dead in the cellar, the other cunt killed by the mistress, and now this daft bint falling headlong down the stairs, there should be only two more. The lad with a gun, and the one with a knife. The driver, he decided, didn't count. There wasn't enough of him for a proper ritual, the lad was a waif. When Ollie passed out, he shut the door on him and left him on the floor of the room to go and find Freddy. If that tosser had desecrated the mistress's bedroom, there would be trouble. The splintered bullet hole in the panelling downstairs from one of the shots made his chest tight with rage. He shouldn't have let them do that. But he'd been too slow. Her fault, really. He'd let her lull him into this corrupt miasma of domesticity, allowed her touches and her attention to fill his world and spread infection-sure through every private part of him. She'd fed him, tamed him, and he'd allowed himself to grow soft and content, except for the occasional call of his better nature. That better nature was taking back control now. He was a king, he was a god, and they were in his bloody house. He remembered her tears, the tasty trickle from those eyes he longed to be trapped behind, aching for the day he'd be embedded within her, haunting her forever. She needed him tonight. She'd even said so. His tendrils flexed as if they could feed from her need, as if that could fill the ever-present void in him and sate it. He trailed his fingertips over her walls, stalking their guests with his well-practised silent tread, and thought it probably could. He smiled wide, pushing his tongue between his teeth. Doors were open that shouldn't be. The corridor was quiet. He wondered if they'd shoot him again. Their room, the one they shared, was undefiled. He sent a few tendrils in to check, but there was nothing there that shouldn't be. The blue room was another story. It had been the music room once, though he was buggered if he knew how they got a piano forte through the door. Now the room was a clutter of furnishings and heavy curtains, plenty to hide behind. He raised his voice. Oi, Fred! Your mate's a fair shot, but it don't work on me, so tell him to spare the carpentry, would you? He tasted the air and homed in. Freddy was behind the door. Ricky could hear his straining breaths. His tendrils drank down the rivers of fear and sweat. To his gratification, Freddy cannoned out, brandishing a silver candlestick. Ricky knocked it out of his hand and stepped sideways to let him out. Freddy barreled down the corridor, slamming his shoulder into the bedroom doors as he went. The candlestick landed in the corridor, but Freddy didn't have the presence of mind to try and get it. Ricky winced. He put his hands in his pockets and watched. "'Don't do that,' he warned. "'I let you out to play nice, not break her some more.' He rolled his eyes at Freddy's relentless battering of a locked door that would get him nowhere. It only led to a guest bedroom. There's a real Queen Anne chair in there if you want to try hiding behind that. Walnut. Mistress was ever so pleased to find it, so try not to fuck it up. Freddy broke his way into that room like a frightened goat and fell headlong over something stretched out on the floor. Ricky inhaled the fresh smell of organs and blood. Oh, that's where the mistress put him. Freddy scrambled up, saw the corpse of Paul and yelled at the top of his lungs. Ricky winced and rolled his neck. "'Right. Well, now you found him, we definitely can't be letting you run off and get the mistress upset. "'Ready to join him, are we?' "'Running feet on the stairs made him turn. "'Oh, for fuck's sake.' "'The rabid dog in a dinner suit came tearing towards him with a pistol drawn, and Ricky let him. "'He stepped back into the blue room at the last possible moment "'and let whatever his name was charge into the wall. "'The pistol dropped onto the carpet. "'What is your name?' Ricky asked conversationally, "'as Freddy made a dash for it and tried to grab the pistol.' Dono! Freddy exclaimed. You're alive! That answered that. Ricky watched as Donno lunged for the pistol as Freddy got there and tried to wrest it from him. What are you doing? Freddy yelled as Donno grappled him. Ricky could have killed them both at this point, but he was intrigued. That's mine! Donno hissed in Freddy's face. Give it to me! I suppose one of you could have the candlestick, Ricky suggested, sending a tendril out to retrieve it. His questing air roots wrapped around the silver and brought it back to him. "'Though it ain't going to help.' Dono snarled, twisting the gun in Freddy's grip. It went off. Ricky winced, deafened in such close quarters, the shot ringing in his ears. Freddy dropped to the floor. Dono caught Ricky's eyes with a smirk of unhinged triumph. He reminded Ricky unpleasantly of Cousin Seth. He pushed his lick of dark hair back from his brow, eyes gleaming. Then there was one. Ricky cleared his throat. throat) "'Not quite.' The mistress manifested through the wall behind Dono, her avatar form as battered as the house's interior. Ricky's lip curled, the rage bubbling up in him. "'Hey!' she snapped. Dono turned and didn't know where to point the gun. He stared at her wooden form in horrified disgust and emptied it into her chest. Ricky snapped. He grabbed Dono from behind and forced his arm back until the bone snapped. The mistress was smouldering with fury. Usually only Ricky ever made her that angry.' "'Her arm was antique steel, a razor-sharp blade. "'Ricky held the screaming man and she sliced through him "'with a gush of arterial spray. "'The pistol thudded to the carpet. "'I told you so,' Ricky whispered in Donno's ear and let him fall. "'Carrie managed to look more human "'as Ollie came panting down the corridor after her. "'You again?' Ricky shook his head, amazed. "'Bloody hell, you're a persistent little sod. "'Can't you just have a nap?' Ollie's eyes were glazed and his words tumbled out in confusion. Carrie, I just came around and and there were shots, more shots, and are you okay? I told you to stay in your room, Carrie said, shaking her head. Her arm was back to looking like an arm. She was drenched in blood and luckily the splatter across her face disguised her manikin appearance. Ollie stared at her, not taking anything in. "What What happened to you? Carrie glanced at the two bodies on the floor and back to Ricky. She tried not to smirk, but he saw her lips twitch. I brought a knife to a gunfight, she said. Ricky giggled. Ollie looked from one to the other. Am I next? Any reason you should be? Ricky asked. I said five. I make that five. What does everyone else make it? I make it five, Carrie said. Ricky nodded. There you go then. Ollie swayed, his attention drawn to the bodies in the corridor. "'What are we going to do with them?' "'Yeah,' Carrie said, looking at Ricky. "'What are we going to do with them?' "'He beamed. "'She needed him. "'It wasn't for the first time, but whenever it happened, "'it sent a thrill through him. "'You leave it to me, love. "'Though a hand wouldn't go amiss.' "'I'll help,' Ollie said quickly. "'I won't say anything. I promise. "'Just don't—don't kill me. I'm just a driver.' "'Ricky grinned. "'Got a little job for you, then.' Ollie was pale, but he nodded vigorously. "'Grab hold of one of these.' Ollie, with a quivering smile as brittle as a dry autumn leaf, did as he was told. "'Once the ritual was complete, his human passing form full and throbbing with the energies "'surging from the pendle stone, his own future clear to him in the entrails laid out on the "'kitchen floor, Ricky sat back in the kitchen chair, soothed and content. "'He felt better.' "'The void of the unknown was filled for six months, his glory was sated, and the exercise had done him good. he tossed the leftovers into the portal, and she had absorbed the worst of the blood and gore, "'swelling her timber with it, feeding her thirsting mortar, and draining it from view. "'She entered in her usual form, the one he preferred, but without her clothes. "'There wasn't a lot of detail as she wasn't trying to look human. "'She didn't need to with him.' He cocked his head and took in the damage showing on her approximation of a body, the bloodstains soaking almost every part of her and tainting her with rusty red. The guest all right, is he? he asked. She nodded. Sleeping, finally. Just us then. Ricky got up and went to run the tap. Wait there. She stood in front of the stove, head bowed, studying herself and the entrails he'd left on the flagstones. She didn't tell him to clear them up. She knew he was getting to that. He set a warm, soapy bowl of water on the table, and soaked a sponge in it. "'Tell me if this is all right,' he said, and began to wash her shoulder. She nodded, watching him, not the sponge. Ricky took his time. It was as close to sacred as he'd ever come, or it felt that way, recalling the moment he'd thought he'd lost her forever, and the moment she'd woken up. He remembered her on fire, her human body dropping dead to the grass, the life leaving her eyes as he'd held her over the well in the garden.' Blood droplets shone in the kitchen light, showering the ground. He swallowed, eyes moistening. She didn't move, didn't speak. He dared a glance at her face and she smiled. Ricky's heart swelled and pulsed hard, a sharp pain he didn't mind filling his chest. She smiled just for him. She moved for him. She spoke to him. She slept with him. She cared for him. She was everything he'd ever wanted. He sponged away the traces of the unwelcome guests, washing around the bullet holes and taking care with splinters. He worked his way downwards, breathing in her scent of leather and walnut wood, mahogany, oak, limestone and granite on a hot day, brickwork and grass after rain, fresh cool tiles on a chill autumn morning, the moment before a fire is lit to chase the damp away. He didn't notice he was holding her waist as he sponged down her torso, until she rested her hand on his arm. Ricky inhaled deeply, bending his head closer and followed the gentle stream of ruddy water until his nose was a breath from her surface. He worked down her whole form twice, changing the water several times, until she gleamed with a polished veneer and there was no trace of anything that wasn't hers. He toweled her dry, although there was no real need, Loath to stop and take his hands away from her. He didn't want this Halloween night to end. When he finally straightened up, his head buzzing, she took the towel out of his hands and draped it on the back of the chair. "'It's been an eventful night,' she said. Ricky nodded, voice caught in his throat as if his words would spoil it. She wrapped her arms around him and he closed his eyes, leaning against her. "'Come to bed,' she said, and pressed her cheek against his, so that her lips brushed his ear. "'Master.' A hot pool of something rare and urgent flooded his belly and settled in his groin, but it didn't last, and she let it pass before taking his hand. He did as he was told. Ollie It was time to go. The replacement car arrived, and Ollie had to explain that his passengers had called a taxi, and the only firm that could come out was Shaw's Cars from Bexhill on sea. "'Bill Shaw's nephew, Richard Porter, confirmed this. "'He, after all, was the master of the big house, "'and he was happy to fill in the details of their brief stay in his cocky manner, "'daring anyone to disagree with him. Ollie kept his mouth shut, "'and nobody else seemed to want to challenge Ricky's version of events either. "'It was a stroke of luck that his uncle was able to come out at all, "'and his guests had been very grateful.' Later, Bill Shaw of Shaw's Cars would have several interviews with the police and he confirmed the passengers had no cash and refused to pay, so he put them out somewhere on a lonely road near Brighton and no matter how much money their families threw at the search, no trace of them would ever be found. That's what Ollie had been told at breakfast, at least, by a very matter-of-fact Ricky Porter, whose Uncle Bill would do whatever Ricky told him to. He tucked into breakfast, mesmerised by Ricky's confidence and the numbing after-effects of the tea, which was still keeping his anxiety at bay. Carrie came down, wrinkling her nose. Ugh, what is that smell? Liver and onions, Ricky said with his mouth full. You ain't the only one who can cook. I hate the smell of liver. Carrie shook her head. That's why I never bite. She stopped, watching Ollie finish his plate off. Ricky, can I have a word? When he's gone, yeah? Yeah. Won't be long. Ricky flashed a grin at her and scraped his plate. Waste not, love, you know me. Kettle's on, do you want anything? How did you sleep? Carrie asked Ollie, pointedly ignoring Ricky and sliding into the seat opposite him. Ollie blinked and nodded. Great. I shouldn't have, I guess. I mean, five people died last night. Yeah, well, not to worry. Ricky stretched, rocking back on his chair. Told you, there'll be no comeback. Ollie believed him. "'I guess, speaking of come back, you probably hope this is the last you'll see of me.' Carrie shook her head. "'No, of course not.' Ollie blushed. "'This is all my fault,' he murmured. "'If I'd been firmer, they'd have died anyway somehow.' Ricky yawned, checking his empty mug of black tea. "'Love any chance of another?' He held out the mug to Carrie, who gave him a look. "'Please?' he added. Carrie rolled her eyes and took the mug from him. "'Normal tea?' "'Yeah, of course.' Gave the best of mind to our guest here, I'm not a heathen. He eyed Ollie, and rope-like appendages began to taste the air from the back of his head. Just a monster. Ollie tensed, heart racing. Takes all sorts? There was a pause. Then Ricky laughed. Suppose it does. The tendrils retreated. Ollie rubbed his eyes, swallowing hard, unsure if he was losing his mind. Everything still had the edge of blurred unreality to it. I just... ''I just need to get some air, wait outside with the car,'' he said, and nobody stopped him. He was expecting something, a hand on his shoulder, a needle pain in his back, something, anything, but he made it to the front door and it was open, and no one did anything. He waited until someone came to tow the car to the local garage and breathed a sigh of relief. They were really going to let him go. ''Thanks,'' he said as Ricky came out but didn't venture beyond the porch. It was a crisp but warm day, the 1st of November, and he pulled a grey hoodie over the blood-grimed vest. Ricky jerked his chin. ''Yeah, well, mind how you go.'' Ollie nodded, hesitating, heart in his throat. ''So, um... thanks for the tea?'' Ricky nodded. ''What... what if I needed more?'' Ollie shuffled a few paces forwards, they wouldn't be overheard. ''How would I... how would I arrange that?'' ''Do I look like a dealer?'' Ricky's lips twisted. Ollie found himself wondering, again, if he'd be a good kisser. A little bit, yeah. Ollie ducked his head in case this didn't go down well, examining his shoes, but Ricky was still in a good mood. The giggle was unexpected, higher pitched than his gruff speaking voice with a note of childlike delight. You'd have to come back, Ricky said, recovering. Ollie took a deep breath and pulled out his phone. How would I, you know, call you? Um, to, to make sure you were in. "'Ricky stared at him. "'I don't have a phone.' "'Oh. Ollie hadn't been rebuffed like that before. "'That was definitely a new one.' "'Right. "'Understood. "'Cheeks burning with shame and chest tight, "'he started to walk away. "'The mistress does,' Ricky said, "'ducking inside and returning with Carrie's phone. "'He unlocked it and jogged down the porch steps, "'handing it out. "'You could put your number in there. "'She won't mind.' "'He was blushing too, Ollie saw.' Ricky's cheeks were a dark, bruised crimson and he didn't look Ollie in the eye. Ollie caught his throat bobbing as he took the phone off him, entered his number and called himself. He handed it back and Ricky still couldn't quite look at him directly. There. Ricky cleared his throat and flipped his hood up. Ta, if you didn't actually have any, Ollie said slowly, could I come back anyway? Ricky tensed. Why? Um, you know, just to... Just to, um, see how you are? Why would you want to do that? Ricky blew out a breath and stepped back, shaking his head. I'm doing what the mistress does, asking questions instead of answering them. His accent had broadened, and Ollie found it hard to equate a tendril-headed monster of nightmares with a short, stocky guy with a strong Sussex accent, no matter how gruff it sounded. The two things didn't sit properly together in his mind. Ricky got hold of himself. What, what would you want to do? Ollie shrugged. I um hadn't thought that far, to be honest. We could we could go out to a pub or something, have a beer if you like. Ricky shook his head. Can't, I'm banned, and I'm uh, I don't drink very much. I mean, I I do have a drink, but I'm trying not to. He patted his stomach. This and not just this, if you get my <laughs> if you get my meaning. He was a deeper crimson now, and Ollie had the weirdest feeling that this, that he, was important to Ricky in that moment, and that his response mattered. He swallowed, choosing his next words carefully. We could both have an orange juice or something, I'd be driving anyway, but we could find somewhere to go. Oh, Ricky glanced at the car. Speaking of, looks like you're all set. Ollie glanced at his rescuer, who had now got the car onto his truck bed. Yeah, so I'll call you. You don't have to. This was excruciating. Ollie managed a smile, trying to remember a time he'd ever been in this position before. Yeah, but I will. See you. Ricky backed off. Right. He turned his back and went back inside the house. Carrie waved from the door before shutting it, and Ollie was left checking his phone for the missed call and saving the number. He typed a message after climbing into the truck cab, smiling to himself, aware that his life had somehow irrevocably changed and he didn't mind. He hit send. Thanks for everything. See you soon. Ollie. So one of the Kofi rewards that I did was supposed to be a letter from Ollie because Ollie's written to Kofi members a few times since his appearance last year and he's become a kind of a semi-regular character and he's driven Ricky to visit Katie at university and you get like all of that kind of stuff. It's really cute. And you get to see how Katie thinks about Ollie and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to get all of that, that's with my Kofi membership, which is £3 per month. The higher tier is where you get things actually posted to you. But that tier is full at the moment because I really can't manage to copy out things more than about eight times. (laughs) And I've got eight members at the minute. So it's kind of one in, one out. Yeah, so this is going to be a letter from Ollie and I actually wrote it when I was on a weekend away with my husband Um, and I realised I hadn't brought my laptop with me or a book or anything to keep myself sane so um, he sent me out to get a notebook on on our holiday so I could write something Um, and I wrote Dinner for Two which is Ollie's first date with Ricky I guess, like after... Um, the Sussex Fretzel Massacre events um, and it's basically Ollie com- coming down to Pagamon Sea and booking an Airbnb and then like saying he'd cook dinner for him and it all going horribly wrong. That's um, that's a nice cute little date thing that he had. Actually so um, members, because I-, I wrote it by hand, the higher tier members got the handwritten version of this. Um, I had to scan it and then like um, print it out and send it to them and then everyone else gets the the ko post um auntie m gets a mention in it um auntie m is like the lesbian trans-inclusive feminist of the family who mainly just eats her own brothers and goes cis men only diet wise <laughs> so she does eat people but she's really strict about who she eats after having like a conversation with Katie and Wes's younger brother Dave who's um, the trans brother, um, one of the triplets who's mentioned in 13th and the day Eight granddad. So that's a bit clunky as a section and I just want to edit all of that. It's basically like a stream of consciousness story which was just so fun to write. and I got to explore a little bit of Ricky's reaction to realising because he doesn't realise that Ollie is sexually attracted to him. <laughs> and he's like... Oh oh <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and it's just that yeah, it's just just a really sweet dynamic actually. I kinda like it a lot. I might read a little extract from that. So, um this is where Ricky is saying basically, Oh that was a really lovely dinner, now what do you want? And Ollie's like, No no, I, I don't want anything And Ricky's like, Bullshit, like you want something. Why did you do this if if you don't want anything? So that's that's where they are at. So yeah, so this little section I quite like. So, Ollie shook his head. I don't want anything, really. So why did you do it? Ollie shrugged. I just wanted to. I didn't think you'd want to. Guys like you don't usually look twice at guys like like me. I'm too shy, my sister says, so maybe that's not true. And I mean, you did come, so... Guys like me? What's that supposed to mean? Ollie saw him square his shoulders and winced, backing off. No, not... I mean, like, you're, you've you probably got loads to do, and you're important, like, actually important. People listen to you, right? You've got the big house and the lovely girlfriend, or, or not girlfriend, but partner, or... Anyway, there's no reason why you'd, you'd have dinner with me at all. Ollie's hands were clammy. He kept the kitchen island between them, but the idea that Ricky had got the wrong impression forced the words out of him in a stream of panic he couldn't quell. I got this place just... I don't know, it seemed like the nicest one here, and I did all this to impress you. Ricky relaxed, to impress me. Yeah, a bit. Ollie dared to sidle around the counter, and you know, I know you don't go out much. Carrie said, so I thought, if it was a bit special, I'd what? Be impressed? Be, be a bit flattered? Maybe. Ollie winced again, hating how pathetic he sounded, and maybe you, you know, like me. "'Ricky nodded slowly. "'Oh, I see. You're a glory seeker.' Ollie's chest went cold and tight. "'No. No, I don't know what you mean, but no, I'm... "'Means this,' Ricky said, "'and Ollie could swear the scar tissue parted, "'that the back of Ricky's head was opening up "'in a way he thought he'd only hallucinated or dreamed, "'and out of it was pouring thick brown coils "'that rippled through the air and wrapped around Ollie's limbs and torso, "'lifting his feet clear off the ground.' Ollie's skin tingled, the coils pulsing against his clothes and skin, and there were mouths in them like lampreys. Ollie froze in terror as golden eyes opened up, rolling back to stare at him as the grip tightened, and he was drawn nose to nose with Ricky Porter, eyes gleaming with exulting triumph. "'This what you want?' Ricky's voice was low and dangerous. Ollie shook his head, not knowing how to process what was happening. "'No, this is not all my glory, you know.' Maybe you don't. There's a lot more. I could melt your brain and suck all your thoughts out until you're just a mindless husk, nothing left of you but basic functions. You don't want that? Ollie shook his head emphatically, close to wetting himself. Ricky lowered him until his feet found the floor. Then what the fuck do you want? I just like you ollie blurted out skin crawling and hypersensitive to the pressure the smoothness gliding over his arms patches of rough bark like striations and ridges pressing against him then it loosened i just like you he repeated a little softer i want i want to hang out with you and listen to you talk about about taxidermy and and your auntie's cauliflower and alchemy and birds and nature and DIY and all the random stuff you know, because it's interesting. I like hearing about it. And I've I've been trying to ask you to spend the night with me. The coils released him abruptly like they were spring-loaded. Ollie rocked back, nearly falling, as he had to support his own weight. Ricky's cheek bruised darkly, the flush heightened by the wine. That's the one thing you can't have. "'I don't want sex,' Ollie said, with nothing to lose. "'I don't want you to be uncomfortable.' He heard that come out of his mouth before registering that Ricky had just revealed something truly monstrous to Ollie that had left him more than uncomfortable. He couldn't believe what had just happened. "'I... I just like you,' Ollie said, stumbling back a pace. "'That's all.' "'Yeah, so that's... um, and then it's like the aftermath of that, and... "'Yeah, so that's the middle section.' after dinner so yeah um, I kind of like that that's just a little bit from the Ricky and Ollie short story dinner for two which was the April reward for 2023 on Kofi. fi um, if you are a member and you're not sure where to find it go on cmrosons.com and you will find a master list of all my Kofi posts with links so you can just go through it and you can read every single one of them if you want to and once you've paid your £3 per month, you get full access to all of them. So you can just join for a month and then see how far you get. <laughs> you can cancel if you want. But anyway, just it'd be really nice if you could support me and just uh, just a one-off donation would be greatly received. Or if you want to um, pick something up from my shop, anything like that, that'd be grand. Um, thank you very much. Bye now.